Hello, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning in to Ruining Your Childhood, The Pitfalls of Nostalgia. Today, you will be hearing a very pleasant sit-down that I had to have, well, correction, that I got to have with Yeti Blanc. Uh, no, he did not force me into this interview, if that's what you're thinking, based on the wording that I put forth. Uh, sometimes I am poor at wording. That being said, uh, Yeti Blanc is a producer for the Greg Cody Show podcast with Greg Cody. Uh, he is also a producer, creator, and co-host of the Yes, Maybe, No pod with Andrew Streeter. You can find both these pods anywhere that you can subscribe. That is Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc. Now... He and I talked about some fun things growing up in the Northwest, and I will just let you dive right on in. Head first. Don't be scared. Actually, I'm a little scared, but... Uh, I had a, a lot of good times making music in Bellingham, but being in the Pacific Northwest and trying to make hip hop, it's just not a, not an area for it. There's not many that have, that have done it. I mean, you've got, you know, Sir Mix a lot, of course, and, and Blue Scholars to a point. That's yeah. the, those are the only groups from out there that I could name. I mean, yeah. And then now you have Macklemore, you know, Macklemore oh, yeah, is, yeah, I've, I've tried ignoring him, but exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, my my good I I executive produced this album for this uh one of my buddies in Seattle. He's a hip hop artist named Wisdom. And he's underground, doesn't, you know, he's not big by any means, but he's friends with Macklemore and has known Macklemore for like a long time. And so he watched that dude blow up and stuff. And so hearing some of the stories from like behind the scenes and you know, apparently he's a really nice guy and all that stuff. I remember uh seeing him play in alleys in Bellingham, you know, just like no one there and stuff like that before he got famous but yeah uh i i cannot get down with his music now to me it's like a it's like the equivalent of like a just a corporate you know boardroom yeah. commercial type of thing where yeah. like everything is thought out and they're like oh well, how will this land with this group and you know mm-hmm. all, you know just all of that stuff and it loses all of the soul yeah yeah that it um uh well, I will say though his, and I've only listened to it once, but his "My Oh My" song, and I, I watched the video oh, yeah. for that, and like, like that got the feeling going, that my feelings going a little bit, but that has less yes. to do with him and more to do with just what you know he was evoking with Nyhouse. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, Dave Nyhouse, and uh, that's the voice of my childhood. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I listened to Mariners games fucking the entire summer. You know, my dad always had the. Yeah, and see, I did. I didn't really know of him until I moved out there mm-hmm. um, in uh, uh, two thousand seven. But okay. like he's instantly infectious, and that's the thing. I watched the Mariners play once. I went. That was my first major league game. Was going okay. to the Mariners not long after I moved. It was or it was early in the season, and uh, and um, the uh, they were terrible. You know, Richie Sexton. I never saw him get on base. Um, the there's this old man sitting right beside my uh, my best friend and I. Um, my best friend could not care less about sports either. Yep. Um, 
but uh, he got tickets through work. So he was like, you want to go? Cause he knew I love baseball. So we went and, and, but yeah, there's this old man sitting beside us and like Sexton strikes out for like the third time that night. And he just kind of under his Mariners blanket with his beer in his hand. He's like, sit down, Richie. Yep. And I'm just like, this is probably his dad. And he hasn't seen him in 23 years, but he comes to every game to heckle him, you know, exactly. <laughs> just to quietly yeah. heckle him from, from decent seats at the park. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but like, I just, I fell in love with the team instantly because it was very much what it was like this lovable loser quality there was just something that drew me in very much like the mid-80s braves when i when i was a little kid and i first got into baseball it mm -hmm. was them they were terrible they had good talent on the team but they could never put it together they were still about six or seven years away from getting to where they could make all the, the runs to the you know deep in the playoffs of the world mm -hmm. series that they did um yep and uh, about, but but they they just they just couldn't put it all together back then. But that, but I still loved watching every second. I didn't miss a game for six years until Dad couldn't afford the cable anymore. So um, that was a bad day. First and foremost, I'm sorry that you fell in love with the Mariners because that's a painful relationship to you know to have. <laughs> it is. It uh, is. Yeah, we had the you know the NLs or the NLDS win in 95 and that's like all we've ever had. And then, you know, meeting up yep. against the Yankees or the Indians, you know, just always getting bashed. And I'm actually uh, interviewing David Sampson next month. And nice. um, one of the things that I want to talk to him about is like, will I die having seen the Mariners win? You know, like, you know, like, is that a possibility or That'll do I just, in your you know, lifetime? Right. you know, cause at this point in my life, I'm like, no, you know, like they're just, it, it's, they're going to be the one team that will never get the World Series, and that's just going, that's just going to be how it is. They almost had Team of Destiny stuff this past season, though. Like, oh, it, so if they close. had made it into the playoffs, they would have had that Team of Destiny feeling because it's like you know, they they really shouldn't be there, but like they put they they got things cooking right at the right time, and like it, it, but but they, they they just couldn't quite do it that last game. Yeah, the 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 most exciting Mariners memories I've had in the last you know five years have all been uh, end of season. Uh, pushes for that wild card spot and yep. we never get it but you know there's always some really exciting games a little bit of excitement of right yeah yeah right not, not so, always yeah. either but so yeah i got i mean i got to watch ichiro play for a couple of years while mm -hmm. i was out there and that was mm -hmm. cool griffey came back while you know he wasn't the same but still i got to watch i get to tell my kids i got to watch king griffey jr play baseball yep. you know I, I got to be there for a few of those games um the uh but then you know, after i left you know they brought on dustin ackley and um and then shortly thereafter kyle seager and they're both from the same region of north carolina that i'm from so like okay that was extra cool to be able to have some you know guys that are kind of hometown and then uh, the bass player from my old band his little brother actually played in college with one of the seager brothers it wasn't um it wasn't Corey. it was the 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 other one it wasn't kyle it wasn't Corey. it was um there's a third there is a third and uh, they both played unc charlotte together and they were okay. good friends but uh so like it was just cool being you know, having a little bit of still some not only north carolina representation but my part of north carolina representation mm. on the team and so it was a little bummed to see kyle you know call it quits but i don't blame him one bit you know if yeah i'm going to be able to stay a mariner like the fact that he's like nope i'm good i've accomplished what i need what i needed to yeah i'm sure that he you know talked to his wife and was like do, do we want to try to relocate or you know like the with the kids growing up and stuff you know i'm sure that they just yeah. wanted to stay there it's a nice area for for raising kids obviously. yeah if you can afford it it's incredible you, yeah. you there's always something to do and and the the secret to it is realizing that the rain doesn't have to stop you from doing anything 
and then you can have a really good time. And that that's what it was for me. It, it didn't take me long, but it took me a little bit to figure it out. And then when the sun comes out, I mean, it, it's really hard to find a prettier place in this <laughs> that, that I've ever been. It's so gorgeous. And uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you're in like the certain spots on like Cap, well, not Capitol Hill, on like over towards Ballard and stuff and you, you know, look West, you see the Olympic peninsula and the Olympic mountains. And then you look East and you see the cascades and there's snow on both sides. You see Lake Washington to the East, you see the Puget Sound to the West. And you're just like, it's crazy. You know what I mean? It's unlike anything else. And it makes sense why it's being, why people are flocking to it. Yeah. I got engaged at golden gardens, actually speaking of Ballard. I, uh, mm-hmm. That's where, that's where I proposed on the waterfront at, at, at golden gardens but uh, that's where we got our like our, our pictures taken and everything later on for for announcements and stuff but i really nice. like going down to that place it was a cool little oh yeah, cool little area but. yeah i've spent yeah i have family i have multiple cousins that live in seattle you know growing up just north and i, w- I would travel down to seattle all the time in high school and stuff and yeah uh, go to concerts well, from, and stuff you're from death cabville technically they don't want to claim it though you know I've always heard Ben claim Bellingham. He might not say that's where the band is from now, but like anytime I hear him talk, he always references Bellingham. Okay. Well, there was a time when I'm pretty sure that they were like trying to be like, no, we're from Seattle. And that <laughs> might've just stuck. I mean, cause that was, you know, probably when I was still in high school and stuff, but yeah, I mean, I was never a death cab fan, but I will say that postal service album is really fucking good. Like It is, it is. But, but no, death, like Ben has yet to disappoint me. Mm-hmm. um now i've never really been able to get into like there's some of their earlier stuff that i'm fine with that that i like but i've never been able to get into i just haven't been able to find the right groove for their their pre-transatlanticism stuff but that's that's the mm-hmm. album that drew me in i my, my friend said check this out and i did and i was like holy crap i love this and they've not disappointed me ever since even the albums that a lot of their diehards don't like i still really like a lot and mm-hmm. so yeah i'm 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 i uh but then it, it's I, I draw a direct line from him to John Lennon, so hmm. it, it it kind of fixes that for me a little bit, or gives me that fix a little bit. So I hear that. I have a love hate relationship with John Lennon. I mean, sometimes yeah. I sometimes I think that's natural. I feel like anyone that does like a deep dive into him, he likes being like, polarizing though. That's very true, and yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you just can't deny like when they're putting out art like that, you're like, well, well, that you know he's a totally problematic individual i mean they're, they're, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, um but yeah like, like you know there are things there are songs of his that I just I, I absolutely detest imagine oh i don't God. like that song i, oh, I hate that song too i high five to that yeah and well and mark <laughs> mark formerly of reddit um now the leba fan um what it what was it the uh, leba fan I, <laughs> defector or turncoat that's what dan called yeah, it turncoat but you know mark he uh he put it really well when he was like, yeah, imagine no possessions that while you're seeing this from your luxury Manhattan apartment, you know? And uh, I was like, yeah, that's it, it's a gacky, you know, it, um, <laughs> it's a, uh, that, that's, that's really it. And, and, and really it was like, he was all about trying to shape his image as this super hyper individualistic person. But then he's singing this song that says, maybe we can all live in peace if we take away everything that makes us individual. I'm like, no, that's, that's not how you find peace. You, you you find peace by choosing peace in spite of our differences and you know the things that make it embracing what makes us individual and choosing love over the hate and anger and you know and, but uh so yeah I, I i i i it's a beautiful melody 
and the chorus is gorgeous and stuff but like the overall the, the like i agree with what he wants but how we get there is a different totally different yeah. thing and yeah. yeah so that yeah but 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 then there are things he does that i absolutely think are just incredible and so yeah, my girlfriend, uh, she just watched the Get Back documentary, which I yeah. still haven't watched yet. But I kind of have a, I have a feud, ongoing feud, one-sided feud going on with Peter Jackson. So I didn't, wa- <laughs> I didn't watch Get Back. <laughs> I am still upset about the Hobbits. Okay. Oh really? See, that I mean, one, the Hobbits didn't bother me at all. The Lovely Bones, I, I hated that movie, and I was like, really, this was you. This is Peter Jackson. Come on. Well, well, King Kong. I mean, my buddy actually asked me today while I was at work. He was like, "Have you ever walked out of a movie?" And I s- said, that, "Well, the closest I ever got was King Kong, the Jack Black, <laughs> uh, King Kong." Yeah, it was. It was so yeah. long. I was like, yeah. "Oh," and I, 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 if I felt nothing, it, I barely remember anything of it. You know, I remember there was a lot of footage of the monkey. And the woman like staring lovingly at each other with like with the CGI uh, 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 fucking it felt set going on it in the did. back. And I was just like, he is really hammering into this. Like the monkey loves this this woman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we get that. You know, you don't need to beat us over the head with it. <laughs> just right. like, Yeah. Peter Jackson is one of those dudes where I have a. I have a lot of beef with him because I feel like he just. at least at this point i feel like he's just choosing you know going off the whole nostalgia and the purpose of like you know the deep dives of this i feel like he loved lord of the rings so much growing up on it right that the movies that he made the jessica would hate me if she was hearing this right now but uh, the the uh the movies that he made were not based on the actual texts and more based on his recollection of the texts. Right. Mm -hmm. And so memory is one of those really interesting things where memory changes over time, depending on how you are feeling when you go back Mm -hmm. and visit that memory. Right. And so if you go back and like make something great, like, and continue to like, just say it's great and like turn them, he, he like I felt like Peter Jackson turned these characters into deities and stuff like that. And part of the reason that the Hobbit, uh, that Frodo was such a uh, he was such a, a good hero was because he was kind of just like the every person. He had no powers and stuff like that. Right. But I feel like there was a lot of just in the way that he shot it, like this angelicness to it, where he's like, there are actually like moments where it's just like there's this white light and aura and everything's like washed, and he puts like really like a bunch of slow mo into it, and you're just like. Okay, but uh, my theory it's, it's, is that he's, he's epicking his ass off is what it is instead of acting his ass off. He's epicking. He's yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's something like that. And so it's one of those things where I grew up when I saw the movies, I loved them. And then just as I watched them, as I got older, you know, just going back, I've never been able to rewatch them all the way through. It's it's tough. Right. And so that part of the reason I realized I was like, I have to figure this out. I'm like, what is it that's really bothering me about this? And so, you know, my my girlfriend, Selena, she was like, she really wanted to watch them. So I watched them with her and uh, I figured out it's just there's a lot of slow motion, like unnecessary slow motion where like Frodo saying something and it's just like okay sam and you're like why happening? you know just like it, it, it's it just makes it so What's like so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> but I mean, like the cast, the casting is obviously like really good in a, in a lot of elements. I mean, I still think that Orlando Bloom is a little, I don't know, for like, oh, really? it, 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 <laughs> he, like... He, he like embodied it well, but he like, he plays it just so one note. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I don't know. I love hate, as you can tell, love hate relationship. Welcoming, welcome to ruining your childhood, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Pitfalls of nostalgia. I love, I love introducing other people's shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome to Cinephobe here. It just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. So uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is how you got into uh, podcast and podcast production, like uh, uh, what drew you into this world and how you entered it and stuff. So uh, my best friend or one, one of my best friends, um, Andrew Streeter, um, he, have not, he and I have known each other for almost 20 years now. Um, we, you know, we were, we were friends. We lost contact for a while, but we rekindled, um, our friendship over the Levitard show. We found out that he, um, just back when I was, I used to be on Facebook and back when I was, um, and, uh, I mean, I have a Yeti Blanc account, but I don't do anything with it. But back, uh, back when I had my, my, back when I had my formal Facebook account, yes. um, I, uh, uh, stumbled across, I think he said something or he saw me say something like in my status update or something like that that clued it in that that signal that oh yeah we're both fans of the levitard show so he messaged me on facebook messenger and we started talking about the show and that turned into us pretty much like talking every day like just on just messaging back and forth every day about the show um and so like really i mean like for a long time it's we would message back and forth almost daily we still do almost daily it's it's uh just with we're, we're both in a real busy point in our lives right now but like, I mean, it's still, you know, two or three times a week minimum, you know, that we're messaging back and forth and have long text threads. We rarely talk. I don't have his phone number. Um, and that's just kind of the gag. We, we realized that after about two years of messaging back and forth and I was like, let's just not, let's keep that going. And uh, <laughs> just for fun, he has mine yeah. somewhere in his, in his history. Um, Cause he came to visit and I was like, in case you lose signal, here's my number. Or if you lose internet, here's my, here's my number. If you need to call and figure out how to get here. But anyway, um and so you know that evolved over the year and then in 2020 i i finally put out a parody song that i had been working on for three years i had it written and i just never recorded it and so we're all kind of in lockdown you know at the beginning of the pandemic and um so i i, I wrote i i finally put, uh, put together the fine song um to the tune of billy joel's um for the longest time and uh, made it that is a fine and so um it blew up it took it got played on the air um it it took off and then andrew came back and uh over the weekend he's like you know because he did the classic oh if he can do it i can too and he's right andrew's much better than i am he's more talented and he actually has an audio audio engineering degree so him producing things happen much faster me like it's painstaking laborious just to come up with something kind of halfway mediocre and um but that was good. So the, the song wars began and Flem and M joined in and start, you know, and, and, and the, between the, you know, the three of us, we both put out a lot of content that year um, uh, in, in song parodies. Um, uh, but that got me, I was, I was in my studio. We had, we had moved into a new house and I had a, had a bonus closet and my wife said, yes, cool. You can use that for your studio. So I was very grateful. And so I built that out and um and started doing the doing the songs and everything and i um you had your closet studio 
yeah, close the studio, start doing some songs. Andrew started getting more airplay than me, and I got really competitive about that and jealous. So I started putting out more songs. Song Wars began, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. So Andrew and I, for a couple of years before that, had been talking about doing a show. I was like, we should, we should start our own little podcast. And, and uh, we had no idea what it would be about what, you know, like he wanted to find a niche and I wanted to just kind of keep it really open and, and, and free flowing. And, uh, and then it turned into, we kept talking about it so much, but never doing it that it, we basically turned into a joke that this is the show we'll never do, but we come up with bit ideas and, and, uh, and little segment ideas and stuff like that. And, um, and, but never would do anything with it. And that was just kind of our thing. Okay. Just even talking about it was enough of a creative thing for us. Well, then, um, uh, all the crew that is now known as Lauer After Hours, they started their own thing. And, uh, I, I, I said, Hey, can I be in on this too? And th- I think th- I didn't even, I don't think I knew that they were going to continuously try to produce episodes, um, at that point. Um, it was just, I just mainly wanted to get on their Zoom chats with other fans and have someone to talk to. So my wife, so I don't annoy her, you know, because she couldn't care yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so joined in with them, ended up doing a couple of episodes that they they really, you know, a couple Zoom calls and they end up actually releasing them. I'm like, okay, cool. And you know, made some fake commercials with them. And, and that was fun, but it got to be, like, I just couldn't keep up with the recording schedule. But I've, I, I had the idea through that it kind of got the gears working and and so you know the whole uh levitard rejoin where they're debating is Saban the best um, you know is Saban the best yes maybe no they're doing that chant yeah. and I was like Andrew what if we did a show called yes maybe no and we um we take a topic that's our niche is it's just topical or that, that's that's our thing is that we we have a topic develop conversation around that where we can go into the nuance of it we don't have to do hot takes we don't have to take a strong stance we can just kind of leave things open for thought for ourselves and for the listeners and just have fun that way and he was like okay let's do it and so about a month later we put out our first episode after a couple of tries we our our very first episode i think it took us three three attempts to finally get it but we did um and uh and so we started that show made some episodes had a couple of guests that we that we really liked um and so that was that was cool started getting a little bit of traction and then um you know we're still doing songs on the side sending into the levitar show well then you know the greg cody show chris um made some jokes about wanting or you know about needing some help and but they did it on a couple of episodes and i was like I wonder if he really does yeah, he's so actually just, calling out for help. He's like, ah, yeah, this yeah, would be yeah. funny, so, but like actually because someone they were starting Metal Ark and he was getting pulled in other directions. You know, little yep. did we know at that point. This is before they announced that he was going to be doing Cinephile, but he knew it. Um, yeah, yeah. And so he needed help to be able to keep doing the Greg Cody show. So um, I reached out to Greg and I was like, you know, and, and I was like, hey, I don't know if you guys are serious or not, but if you are, you know, I'm your guy. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe. But maybe, maybe I'm your yeah. guy. you know, I was, I was very weird and awkward about it, but he didn't know <laughs> if I was serious or not, but he messaged Chris and Chris wrote back to me and I had, you know, established the relationship with Chris through the show songs. So yeah, he, uh, he said, Hey, let's, let's talk. And so we did. And about a week later, we, um, they said, yep, we want you. And, and so there we go. And that'll be, it's 10 months now. So, um, would you, would you say that you've made it? I have made it somewhere. I've made it further than I was before. 
And uh, I, what, what I will say is that like for years, I've been praying to be able to find a way to use either my voice and or music to as a source of income. Totally. Um, totally. Ideally, it would be I'd be able to find a way to do this as my full time thing, um, mm-hmm. do, being involved in creative and artistic things, but not yet. It's not there. So I have a I have a I have a, a day job that takes care of me and my family, and I need to be continue to be a responsible husband and father, and uh, you know make sure I don't just abandon everything for a, a podcast that doesn't you know that 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 um that doesn't have the you know, for, for anything, for anything that, that can't pay for my family and, the, and our needs and our desires and our goals. And so, um, but it's a start and, and, and it was, and it's really cool. And like, it's, it's the most fun job I've ever had. It's the most fulfilling is yeah. because I'm working with somebody who challenges me to do something creative. And, and it's like, it's so rewarding when we, when we finished recording freedom, we used the Greg Cody show segment of that for that week's episode. And I listened to it on the way into work and it was about an hour commute. And I walked in and I could not get a smile off my face. And this is, you know, a couple of days after the real thing. And I was still just like really happy from that. And I was listening to back you know, to the Greg Cody, uh, actual epi- official episode for that week. And like, I was just, just, I could not get the smile off my face. And I was like, this is the most rewarding thing I've done for work at all. Like, and, and so it's fun. The fact that Chris and Greg can say, okay, Hey, we want to, um, cause I made this little, I wrote some fake commercials for a voiceover demo, um, back when I was trying to get into voice voice work and, um, and Chris, um, uh, he heard it and he was like, let's make some fake ads. And so we've, we've you know, been lining up ever since the beginning of fake ads and, and um, being able to have him give me a challenge. We want to do something with this style and actually go and create an original piece of music to go with it. That's fun. It, it, it just gives me, gives me some direction to help channel my creativity a little bit because I can go in my studio and I can try to write a song and I might, chances are I won't, but yeah. every time they've issued me a challenge, I've been able to come through. Yeah. And, um, and that's, it's so it like giving me some direction for the creative outlet is just, it's wonderful. And so, um, yeah, so I mean, here we are 10 months later, still going strong. We, uh, the Greg Cody shows 100th episode will, will air on, um, the 21st. So mm-hmm. Monday, the 21st, that'll be the 100th episode. Yeah. Greg um, almost fired you the other day, but you know. He probably should have. That was, that was such a terrible, I felt, I felt legitimately horrible. I, I, I talked to Chris Tuesday and I was like, man, I wore that the whole day. Of my day. Was like, it was just, no, I said, and nobody got after me, you know? Yeah. It was just, nobody had to though. It just, yeah. I felt really bad. I should have, he gave me the window to realize don't jump in here. Don't, don't do it. Or a joke <laughs> by saying this is really special to me. And yeah, I still I don't like that song at all. It's just too too sappy for me. So I still couldn't yeah. get out of my own way. Yeah, and I really stepped in it. And and I I you know, and Chris, you know, Chris is like, "You're good. You're good." I'm like, I, "I know I'll be fine." But like, I'm just telling you, I wore it and it hurt. <laughs> you know, and but I needed to wear it too. It's oh, yeah. good for me to learn from that. You know, and, and he said we still were able to have fun with it because because you gave Greg 
Greg permission to continue his show. <laughs> but he's done that with Dan too. You may continue oh, yeah. with your program. You, you know? may continue. <laughs> I, yeah. I love how they've just been letting him like sink into his like rambles lately. And you just feel like, and you just like, you hear all the other mics like turn off slowly mm-hmm. and it's just him just floating. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful man, thing. When, when we record, it is the highlight of my week. Um, <laughs> Outside of like, okay, I have the standard highlights. I get home and I see my wife and kids. Mm -hmm. That's, I love it. I mean, that's my favorite thing. But as far as activities go, like, that's the highlight of my week. We, um, you know, like, because, because my, like I said, I have a good day job Uh, the company I work for, not going to get into, but but the company I work for um, is, is good. It's a good opportunity. And it's, if I, if, if that's not my number one passion, it's a good second stable thing but it's not fulfilling in the way that yeah. doing this create, create these creative things. And yeah. so like being able, and, and the fact that like I was already a fan of Greg and Chris so much, and now I get to work with them. Like it's, it's fun. And he is every bit as funny as Dan says he is when he's on a phone call with him. He is every bit as funny and it's, it's wonderful. It's splendid. And I've, I've literally twice, gotten to where i couldn't see because i was laughing so hard <laughs> and so so yeah i'll take that you know yeah that's 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 fantastic i mean it's it's very interesting to me right because one of the reasons that i felt like i was drawn to the levitard show was because of the whole it feels like a family vibe right and you know for various reasons and you know uh my broken uh upbringing and stuff like that i i've felt like I've been searching for, uh, you know, like my chosen family for like a good while, uh, if that makes sense. And hearing, you know, Dan's mentality, it's Dan was one of those people where I'd floated across him periodically in the past and never really, I just, you know, been working on my own stuff, working in kitchens and stuff like that. Just hadn't, hadn't had too much time to consume his show, but I just, I just found him at the right time when my my career in kitchens was kind of falling through uh you know pandemic hit and all the restaurants closed for three months came back couldn't get the same amount of wage mm-hmm. uh, i actually had a buddy pass away who didn't work like in we worked in the same communal space and he got covid and passed away you know a, a week later and so i had that whole am i is this what i want to do you know yeah. and so i i had my early midlife crisis uh, at, at age it won't 30 or last. No, it won't be. Last. be yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had my quarter life crisis at, you know, 24 and now this is my midlife crisis at 30, you know, uh, yeah, yeah no, the, uh, they're just going to keep compounding. <laughs> but, uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, I need to, you know, I need to find something else, uh, in my life. And at that moment, you know, for, you could say the universe brought it to me or whatever, but like the Levitard show really, really became a part of my, day-to-day routine that uh made me you know kept me happy and then you know being in portland oregon right now uh and miami could be you know that could be uzbekistan for all you know right for for all everyone around here you know could care and so now that i'm like super into all of these things that they're talking about and stuff like that you know and i don't have anyone to talk to the show about and stuff like that so it's just like all right well i want you know maybe i want to talk and stuff like that and then I was thinking about like just friends that I had really good rapports with that, you know, you could 
see after a couple of years and it's like you never missed a beat and stuff like that and so that was why i decided to to start my own podcast because i was like well maybe i do have my own family it, and it's mm-hmm. through these friends and stuff like that so it's been really fun to try to start it out i am the only one that like it's my vision entirely at this point yeah. and so my other two buddies they're both uh you know one lives in brooklyn he just moved there from Seattle and the other one lives in Everett and he just bought a house with his wife, their first time homeowners. And so they're like fixing up the house. And so, yeah, it's life me. stuff. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's me. And you know, my, my life stuff is just school and this, you know, and it's yeah. just, I mean, it, it's one reason Andrew and I haven't recorded in a little while. Um, yeah. Just life stuff, you know, that, that uh, yeah. you know, yes, maybe no is, is it's uh, we both work on it, but like all the, all the music, all the imaging and, and stuff like, you know, I, I, I do every bit of that. I do all the editing. Um, because you know Andrew's got, you know, I actually have more time than he does. I mean, he's done a couple of the episodes, but he's got more time than I do, or, or I have more, I have more time than he does because my kids are are a little older. His kids are all still really young, and um, including a uh, um, a two year old, and uh, or not not even two year old, um, and so or no, yeah, just over two year old. So yeah, like it's just just really hectic and busy, and and so like I take on all of that, but it's like. I still have life too. And, and I, you know, and now that I've got the great Cody show, I have to prioritize that. So like, I still love doing yes, maybe no, but it's just very infrequent at the moment. Um, and, uh, but the, you know, it, it, that's been good too, because it has also served as another creative outlet, but, uh, but yeah, the, the Levitard show fan base, is funny to me because they, um, I don't know like many people face to face that, um, like like in my personal like actual daily interactions that that listen to to them um very very few and uh but the ones who do like i, I don't know of any passive levitard listeners the ones that that do listen all seem to be and maybe it's just because they have the loudest voices but they all seem to be like very passionate listeners yeah. and uh it's you either get really the show cool. or you don't get the show it's right you know. And the um uh, but that's been one of the, the the silver linings of the pandemic is that like before that I never engaged with other fans of the show online like totally. you know, and then um but as soon as it happened it just became this natural thing like we probably should do this you know mm-hmm. we should talk to strangers you know yeah. <laughs> and uh and I've developed some really good friendships out of it um you know whether it's just through Twitter or um through the Lauer after after hours friends or through people that I've met doing yes, maybe no, like Jeremy Taché is we are legitimate friends. Like we actually, you know, he texted me last week from the, from the parking lot, the, the, the famed parking lot right before going into the Clevelanders. It's been interesting to make these connections in a manner that before COVID I never would have considered even trying, like, why do I need to do that? Cause I, I really don't make friends around me because I've got my wife and kids. I just, yeah. it, I was very social beforehand, but once I got married, I was like, I'm kind of good just spending all my time with you. I mean, you're hotter than any other friends I could go make out there. So, you know, what's up? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so like, it, but, but, but it's been interesting how like, and I'm still kind of that way, like people at church or people at work, I don't really form close friendships unless like maybe they're Levitard fans. Okay, cool. But uh, this whole through Twitter, I've made some legitimate actual like like people that don't just message back and forth or, or post back and forth with on twitter like you know, like people that i either have hung out with or i know i will hang out with one day you know and it's cool it's really really yeah. cool 
Yeah, I mean, Twitter's a it, it's such an interesting space because it's so impersonal on so many levels, but you can totally break through these walls because everyone is just like they're they're putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I got to go I got to host a, a, a Northwest leg of this hip hop tour because I started talking to this dude in uh, via Twitter. And it was just he's this MC. His name is Billy Woods. And, uh, you know, I had heard of him. In high school, I was like, I just decided to message him one time on Twitter. We started a, an open dialogue. I ended up, you know, host uh, telling him that I could book uh, multiple shows and I booked shows for him and stuff like that. And then we ended up hanging out. And then, you know, it turns out he's a football fan. And so, like, I'll talk. Yeah, you know, I'm not even the biggest football fan, but I'll, I'll, I'll just hit him up periodically and talk to Bears. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm not from Chicago, you know, but it's just like <laughs> I know how to riff, you know, with people and stuff like that uh, uh, if, if, if I really need to. And if I, you know, and if I want to. And so it's just, I think part of the, the appeal of the podcast and stuff like that. And once again, I want to thank you for, for showing up and, you know, and and saying yes, it's just the ability to learn from people that, uh, you know, have more knowledge than me because I'm one of those people more knowledge than you kid. Damn right. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm one of those people where, you know, you might listen, if you ever listen to an episode of the podcast, you might be like, oh, this dude sounds like he's a know-it-all, you know, and more often than not, I'm just like, I'm exploring things in my head and I always am, am the type that just wants to learn and wants to be around people that, that I can learn from and stuff. And so yeah, in, in trying to, to build the audience for this podcast and in reaching out to people, and I was like, oh, I get to just like learn from a bunch of people you know, that from various aspects of life. All, you know. Yeah. Next, next week I'm uh, interviewing this guy. His name's fresh kills. He's a Juno uh, nominated hip hop producer from Toronto. And cool. he's a yeah, super nice guy. And yeah, it's just, it'll be fun to learn about music production and stuff like that from him. Uh, and, and that stuff. He does like live beat battle type stuff, plays all the NPCs live. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy, uh, all of this um and 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 that's why i keep doing it and so yeah um and it it, i I folded a a a show that i did for no money into being able to work with the greg cody show you know who knows what's next you know (laughs) yes yes who knows yeah um I've been making the fake commercials too, and that's fun. Yeah, I've just been I, using. I, I, I checked out some of those, like on 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 when I listened through. Yeah, those were really cool, and it's fun. It's fun making fake ads, especially if they can be funny and you get to do the the whole imaging and the music behind it and everything. Like that. It's good. Yeah, none of the music is a is original for the ah, gotcha. uh, for the actual commercials and stuff. It's just been all uh, commercial free stuff, just because I've been doing it all myself. Uh, pretty soon, I'm gonna try to make an actual commercial song that I can just use. But for now I've just been looking up, you know, various styles of commercial music because I want to do the different types of ads where, uh, you know, some of them are kind of hippie ish and some of them are, you know, your monster truck, bro. Right. Right. And all that stuff. But it, it's been fun so far. All of them have been, you know, come up with the concept and then just improv and, and, and edit stuff together and stuff like that. So, it's yep. it, not a bad way. I mean, even even when you're writing the script, you're still Im- improvising in that moment when you're writing. So totally, totally. And I mean, improvising and, you know, coming off the of stuff off the head is just allowing it to like flow freer. 
you know yeah. and then if you can translate that and it's all good yeah yeah so so what else do you want to know colin do you have any moments where nostalgia breaks your standards so as this is the pitfalls of nostalgia yeah, yeah. so, so you you mentioned that in when you were messaging me something along those yeah. lines so it uh clarify a little bit more yeah so for me okay i have standards like uh i have a pretty weak gut okay i'm allergic to alcohol i am allergic to a lot of different foods and um i know i'm not supposed to eat certain things right uh so for the most part i try and eat you know uh you know let's, let's say free range uh meat you know organic fair trade you know stuff that that's easier on my gut uh, that being said, I was raised on McDonald's. And so if someone was like, Hey, here's a free Big Mac that I got for you. I'd be like, it'd be really hard for me to say no. Right. Uh, <laughs> another thing is like, you know, sort of like movies that you, you watched as a kid, you know, like I, Star Wars episode one came out for me when I was 10 years old. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I fucking loved that movie when it came out and, you know, it's like, I go back and I watch it now and I'm just like, okay, this is horrible. But there are some moments where I'm just like the pod racing and a bunch of stuff where I'm still like, this is really cool. Uh, Joel Schumacher's Batman movies, you know, they're like really bad, really, really bad. But at the same time, because it came out at a certain point in my life, I'm like, eh, you know, right. I know this movie's horrible, but I, I just, I don't care. Neon yeah, ghettos. I recently had that with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Um, okay. I was very enthralled with them at the time when they first came out. Yeah. And then, a few years later, the guys from Mystery Science Theater 3000 started doing um, a, a different series called Riff Tracks and okay. because they found a way where you, they could riff on like actual big blockbuster movies um, and uh, where basically they do they'd record an audio track and you buy the audio track and then you go rent the movie wherever and they tell you where to sync it up at kind of like okay. you know, Pink Floyd okay. or Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so you could you know, listen along as you watch the, the movie and um, and they pointed out so many like like their their jokes on it were like wow it really made me it, it, it made me as like this is kind of a bad movie or these are kind of bad movies and I mean Spider Man three was terrible oh, there was God. no uh, yeah but but the first two when <laughs> yeah. I first saw them I loved them yeah well it's been several years now um and uh, and we decided you know my son's all into Spider Man right now he's eight and so we were like well let's go back and watch the original ones. Um, or the or the Sam Raimi ones, and then we'll go through the the Andrew Garfield ones. I, I still have never who, seen an Andrew Garfield one. I don't remember who directed those. Um, but anyway, and I was like, I was like, maybe maybe I'll I'll, I'll be less cynical because I've I've gotten older. I'm not as you know on edge about things as I was in my mid twenties, where I had to have a hard opinion on everything. And uh, but no, they're still terrible. They're <laughs> so bad. But but like I was willing to go back and try. But um uh but I loved it initially. Food wise though, I don't I don't I mean, have it, anything because I don't I don't keep to a diet clearly. I'm 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 well I'm I'm not standing up, but I you know I've got I've got the gut. I'm not in good shape. Oh yeah. Um I mean I look uh, at I look at some cookie dough and I gain five pounds. So it's oh yeah, we, we could, yeah. I, I I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I mean like like there there's a uh I remember the <laughs> 20 minute drive home from work when i was living in coastal north carolina and i went and bought like this pack of donuts or something like that and i asked one of my co-workers i told him i said ask me if those donuts i bought right before i left made it home and he said did those donuts you uh, uh you bought make it and be, i cut them off. i was like hell no <laughs> they, they did not because there's no such thing as one or two 
and uh and and so that's bad so but but like i i don't still i still don't have like a strict diet so like that i could say i'm falling back onto this because of like a childhood memory yeah um or things like that now i have foods that are nostalgic to me that have or that are very sentimental to me maybe more sentimental than nostalgic yeah um although the chico stick is something okay this might fall into play do you are you familiar with chico sticks that sounds very familiar. I'm Chico, gonna look. I don't know if they're called. They probably shouldn't be called Chico sticks, but they're, if the Chico sticks, C H I C dash O dash stick. Yeah, they're they're like this. I don't know exactly what they are, but I think if, if if they probably just crushed up a bunch of candies and rolled them into some like coconut stuff, and it makes yeah. this whole like stick. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And like it's not that great. Like as far as fine quality candy, it's not. Yes, but my great grandpa owned um, a bunch of land in North Florida, had okay. a had had a natural springs on it, um, and that was the family swimming hole. And um, yeah, cause, you know, in my redneck past, we have a family swimming <laughs> hole, and um, uh, um, it was the community would go there. He, you know, you buy a ticket, you know, get in for a dollar, spend the whole day there. Grow, you know, when when like my dad was growing up, and he had a, he built a skating rink, a wood wood skating rink um and they had a little arcade in and 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 you could uh in in the the main not a house but the main building i go and uh that's where you go get you know you get your slushies and and you, you go get ices and you could get popcorn and and that's what i remember my great grandma who i didn't know was my great grandma until i was like 22 I, we all everybody called her aunt doris so i thought she was my aunt i thought she was one of my grandma's sisters no she was my 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 great grandpa's third wife one passed away the other one beat the kids because they pee the bed um and so you know he divorced her then he met doris she was quite a bit younger she's only like seven years older than my grandma um and uh so everybody just called her aunt doris and so i thought she was my great aunt thought she was grandma's sister but anyway so i'd go in and aunt doris would make me and give me an icy and some popcorn and of course we got it for free but uh, then they closed it to the public, but our, still our family was swimming hole. We can still go swim there now, even though Deer Park uses that as one of its sources for their water. They drill from like 80 feet deep and it's a natural spring. So it refreshes every day. But anyway, long, long story short, I, I remember the first time I ever had a Chico stick was there at at, at the family swimming hole. And, um, and I remember I was like, oh, this is cool. And I liked it as a kid. It's terrible candy. It's yeah. really not good quality. But when I see one, I kind of have to go, but I have to get it. Well, yeah, because it, you eat it. Attachment. Yeah. And you take, it takes you back to those moments. Yeah. 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 I so mean, it's all, it's all based in sentimentality for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, like I, I love fried chicken. Fried chicken is my favorite food in the world. Yep. Um, and yep. I grew up with, you know, my dad would make it for breakfast. Probably one of the reasons he died at 63, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, we 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 loved fried chicken, and our, and our his favorite drink was root beer, and that became my favorite drink. And I, I don't I don't I've, I've never so I can't say like I've had a nasty habit with other things. I've never drank, I've never smoked, and so mm-hmm. it's just never been my thing. I'm kind of Ron McGill that way. And um, uh, <laughs> anytime you can compare yourself to Ron McGill, take, I'll take that it. road. I'll take yeah. it. I t- we I, I was in on the interview <laughs> uh, when he was on the Greg Cody show a few weeks ago, and like. My whole week was positive after that. Like oh, he dude, just, he's he just even through a Zoom, he exudes this positivity and feel good, and you just mm-hmm. feel like you're a better person after talking to him. Yeah, and um and so, but yeah, um, the uh, what was it? Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, but so 
every year and and i don't only eat fried chicken on these days but every year on my dad's birthday on the day he passed away and on father's day i make sure i have fried chicken and root beer um yeah. just just a little tip of the cap to to this like that was our bonding time we'd, we'd make some fried chicken we'd sit around the table and, and we'd talk i'm the oldest in in my family so i got more time with dad than any of the other kids did and mm-hmm. i i got along with him everybody got along and dad was super loved by all all of his kids but i got i got along with him better than i think most of them or, I, or maybe it was just my social nature was more in line with his and so we could just talk forever about anything and and uh so there's sentimentality there i'm trying to think mm-hmm. if there's anything else like I have a higher standard of chocolate now that I'm married to someone who you know, my wife was a chef and you know she was raised on good chocolate. And oh yeah. I, uh, but I, okay. My grandma just sent me five pounds of seeds candy for Cause my birthday is the day before Valentine's day. And so it was just like, yeah. she sent me all of this stuff. I was just like, I don't need this. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm going to eat it. Dang it. Yeah. I'm just yeah, laying um, in bed. Like I don't need this eating scotch mallows. Just right. But, yeah. but like, so, but like, I, I have no problem spending a little extra money on nicer chocolates. Why will mm-hmm. I still buy a freaking Hershey bar? Sometimes I mean, I'm going to admit this to the audience. I, and maybe tell me if you felt the same. Have you ever opened up a Hershey bar and like, this kind of smells like a little bit, just faint smell of poop in this bar. Yes. And have you still eaten it? Oh, of course. Yeah. Because yeah. it's there and I spent yeah. money on it. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What? Yeah, Why no. would I do this? Because no. growing up, I, and the world told me that Hershey's chocolate is the best chocolate in the world. It was a total lie. Well, it might've been at the time. So that's the thing. It's like, it was the best chocolate available. Maybe I don't know. Nestle was around still there. They're four and at least halfway, but like, yeah. I had no idea of what actual, like the, why, we're supposed to be have American exceptionalism. I mean, it's one of our, it's going to be one of our downfalls, but we're supposed to have, be exceptional at everything. We're the best. Why do we allow such crap chocolate standards then? It, it, it infuriates me. Any, any of the standards that we have at this point, it's all just like, because it's mass. Yeah. It's gotta be greedy. mass. Um, greedy chocolate. Yeah, one thing that you know, just Here's in your work- rap name, greedy chocolate, greedy, oh, greedy chocolate. chocolate's new album coming. <laughs> Maybe we yeah. should stay away from that one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in managing restaurants and helping start restaurants and stuff like that, uh, the things that I've learned with the food industry is that, you know, to in order to increase profits, which always need to happen, or even to maintain as things go up in price, it's like you either raise your price. Or, or, or you lower your quantity or you lower your quality. So if you raise your price, you immediately lose. There's like a huge chunk of customers. They'll just see that you raised it a quarter and they'll be like, nope, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. So more often than not, you know, people keep the same packaging. And that's why you're seeing like so many pictures online of like people opening up a box of cereal and there's like this much cereal in Uh the, the thing. And it's just the same box of cereal. Uh, if you go to get coffee at the store now, um, it was a couple of years, a couple of years ago, I think that the same size coffee bags went from a pound of coffee to 12 ounces of coffee, but it's the huh. same price. It's the same price. Right. And it's, so it's those things where it's, you either are going to drop the quality of the product by introducing, you know, just lower, just, 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 just shit, but then you're going to lose clientele maybe, right. but you aren't going to lose as much clientele as if you just raise your price because so. you still have the brand recognition of yeah. the packaging and, yeah. You know, and yeah. yeah that's another thing we do too much of here is our packaging is just stupid my wife oh, lived yeah. in finland for a couple of years and and they have very minimal packaging because they're trying to reduce waste it's like why why do we need to have an amazon box for an amazon box 
it doesn't for, yeah. for the original packaging box what you know it's why do we have to have these 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 russian nesting dolls of boxes every time i order something off of amazon or you, and, you try and, and order like four items on amazon and you click the you know like i will take all of these four days later so they could all be in the same box and then they all show up you know four days later but they're all in different boxes and it's all yeah. you know, just like what is yeah, happening it, it, it makes <laughs> but, but, but but we still lower our standards and order from that horrific company damn you jeff i'm still going to order something from them probably in the next week yeah but 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 i don't you know but but like i don't know why because i actually kind of disagree now i have been able to get get my for my personal food habits i won't do mcdonald's anymore um unless i'm in a really really bad pinch like i'm starving and this is the only thing open uh my kids they still want it of course it's it's difficult to get away from McDonald's kids. Oh, they yeah, I, they market towards the kids. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's, but like, I'll I'll eat crazy. their fries, and if I have to order something, their fries and like an egg McMuffin. But that's oh. the only thing that that I'll that I'll eat from there, and like like maybe some ice cream or something like. That. But I I won't eat their burgers. I won't eat their chicken sand chicken sandwiches because for what I'm paying, it is such a terrible quality for me. I've been able to keep that one away. Um, but I won't. It, eat, yeah. I, I don't do Burger King anymore because I I had a, in Bellevue. Um, I went and got Burger King on lunch break, had a chocolate shake and ended up with a whole roach in my mouth. And it's just kind of oh. it for me. Ooh. But also, even, even beyond that, Burger King has the greatest disparity between how their pictures look. 100%. Versus what you actually get. I, it's, I, there's always going to be a disparity. Chick-fil-A probably has the closest representation okay. of the picture to actual product. But Burger King has the greatest. Like, they will make <laughs> their food look so incredibly good. And oh, then when man. you get it, it, it looks like, like somebody me? rubbed it across the counter first and yeah. pulled the, the 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 burger out of their back pocket, you know. And yeah, it's good. It's all just sloppily. There's no presentation value to it. And uh, I'm convinced so. that uh, you know I'm, I have a couple of buddies that are from Jupiter, Florida, uh, that live up here, and I'm convinced that Burger King is just a cocaine front. <laughs> like, cause I think it started in Miami and I think it started in the eighties and I know that it's all franchises and stuff like that. But for example, so we started this, uh, I helped start this restaurant in here in Portland called super deluxe and it's kind of turning into a little in and out, uh, of Portland type of thing. There's three okay. different locations and, but we opened up the first location directly across the street from a Burger King. And also directly across the uh, the street on an, on another way from a Taco Bell, so it's just like you know three fast food places right there. But the Burger King still exists. This is like four years later. I swear I've seen two people go in it the entire time. <laughs> I don't understand. So I don't. It's it's, it's float, yeah. Right? It's a giant lot. You know, like right in the right in down, uh, south, like a huge intersection in southeast Portland. Cheap, no, know? nope, not at all. It's so that's why I'm half convinced that that's your that's your theory. I because as a front as a cocaine front, yeah, and um, they have and they put out all they do is they put out money on marketing and they don't put out money in products. What just, where do we where do we lower our standards for nostalgia where it's not food? I'm trying to think probably TV. Well, that's what yeah I was thinking about that with with uh, Selena earlier. I think it's you know your media consumption. You know whether it's music. Uh, you know, like uh, for example, I was listening to I remember when the Cinephobe episode came out on teenage mutant ninja turtles to secret of the ooze right and i was so pumped i was like this that was, was, my favorite that was movie. filmed in wilmington north carolina where my wife and i and, and my kids lived before moving to georgia 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, and, and no, actually, uh, Waffle House, Christy Yamaguchi main. Uh, you'll find him on Twitter. Big fan of Levitard show. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. did the uh, pirate radio theme that they used on the local hour. Uh, yeah. uh, for for most of last year, um, his dad worked on the set. His dad works in the industry, um, <laughs> works on movie sets, and and he worked on he worked on that film. That's funny. I think the third one was filmed partially in Astoria, or something like that. I'm, which because uh, sure there was a bunch of movies that were filmed in Astoria. I mean, The Goonies, Kindergarten yeah. Cop, um, and a Stand by Me was south of Portland. But point being, I just remember yeah, when Turtles that, too. Yeah, when that movie came out, you know, and the Cinephobe came out, and I was like, oh man, I love that movie. And like them just pointing out some of the things that like I had never noticed. I watched the movie like twenty times, like all throughout my childhood and adulthood. And I was like, the fact that they never identified what the secret of the ooze was, right, right. and just all of that, and I was just like, wow. I just like, it's it is like amazing troll what you. Two. There's not a troll one or a troll three, and they only have goblins. They don't have trolls at all, you know. I know. I I actually just listened to that episode because I've been going back slowly and listening to the old oh, they, ones. Oh, the Cinephobe did troll two. I think so. Yeah. Oh dang! I'm gonna have to look that one. Up. I think it's look. You can't piss on hospitality. That's yes, a, that sounds exactly like what they. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like that, exactly. That's the takeaway from the whole movie: is you can't piss on hospitality. I'm gonna go. F- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna find which episode it is right now. But that, well, yeah, I just listened to that one, and they, that was one of the things they're like, "What are where are there no there's no trolls?" Yeah, episode seventy four, or no episode uh, sixty four. Fog is goblin backwards. <laughs> yep, they did it uh, as the last episode of twenty twenty. Gotcha, so. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I think that it, it's, you know, the best examples are media uh, and food. Um, I'm going to come up with be- uh, other examples, but I think that the other examples that I can think of are all a lot darker, you know? Yeah, well, we'll see, when it comes to TV, like, like it, it took me a while to give up the Cosby show. Okay. Yeah. Um, because that was I that was such a big part of my childhood. I mean, that's the Cosby show taught me what dyslexia is, because Theo has dyslexia. Yeah. Um, and they addressed it in an episode because he was doing terrible in school and and you know, as a kid, I thought it was like some like uh disease that you would like that you could pass on, you know, like like yeah, was, yeah, a, yeah. a communicable disease. But um, you know, but but eventually after watching the episode, I, I learned what it was and like, oh, okay, this is dyslexia. And and uh like that that was really poignant to me and um there's there's a scene maybe in the first episode where bill cosby opens up or no he comes in and and uh, theo has the fridge left open he's just standing there staring there and 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 bill makes a joke about um about a penguin going to come knocking on the door because you're taking all his cold air away or something like that that was so funny to me as a kid but now it's like i can't yeah it's it's like it was it's still going to be a funny show if i were to go back and watch it totaled tons of laughs and i hate that you know i fully i love felicia rashad and 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 but it's just like i can't contribute to yeah, those you know, ones suck where it's, it's, just, it's your so nostalgia egregious. was ripped away from you right where yeah. you have these great memories and uh they are soiled now and you know it's it, you can't really even compare that to obviously the victims of of all of what he did, but at the same time it's just yet so many people across the board that it's like he was a father figure he was you know so much you know I I remember for me like I loved Thriller like I had that on vinyl uh, like my dad's record collection and I was going through it and I was like three and four years old like going in there like waddling into the room and putting Thriller on and so. 
you know, that was a tough one for me. And it's yeah, we, like, we haven't, we haven't canned Michael Jackson yet because my kids tough. don't know anything about it. And when, when his music comes on, like we, we didn't even listen to it in the house. It just like came on somewhere. And like, like he had never, my son had never heard it before. And he just started moving. Like he could it was yeah. insatiable. And like, it brings him so much joy that like, we aren't going to spoil that for him right now, you know, and uh, he'll, we'll, he'll we'll learn. wait until he's an adult and he can make that decision for himself, you know? Yeah. And, one and, of the uh, things that we tried to talk about in one of the episodes is just the idea of, you know, what you do with an artist like a Michael Jackson or an R. Kelly or things like that. And ultimately my, dis, you know, what, what I thought about this a lot is uh, I don't think that you should take away the art, but I think that, you know, probably, you know, R. Kelly or the Michael Jackson estates shouldn't be benefiting off of that art. Well, you know what I mean? To an extent, well, R. Kelly for sure. But like Michael Jackson, now that he's deceased, you know, you could make an argument that like, why should his kids have to pay for his, for the sins of the father now? If they could benefit from his estate. I've never thought about this before. Um, mm -hmm. This is just something I'm just thinking now. Now that he's passed away, he's not getting, the, the perpetrator is not, getting anything from you know now you have to think about what about the victims yes 100 you know, yeah and and like you know it, it, the compensation towards them you know the, it, it doesn't help their, them or their case at all yeah but it is less because it's no longer going to the perpetrator at least you know so maybe yeah. there's it for for anyone who's in, in conflict about that maybe there's a little avenue you know um that they could they could think of there but um but i mean like the thing is we we hold it i mean and and, and i don't even fault us as humanity for doing this for holding the double standard but like the only reason led zeppelin hasn't been canceled is because people just haven't raised the bullhorn i mean those dudes are pretty gross you know and uh if you if you read hammer of the gods there's some stuff in there you know and mm -hmm. uh and it, it uh but but it, we haven't gotten to that point yet my that's the one mike ryan references quite a bit on the show is like there's a lot of questions we don't ask about led zeppelin you know and uh the and that that we that, that we just haven't found ourselves ready to ask or no one else has made a loud enough stink to make society as a whole ask those questions or the music community as a whole ask those questions and, and yeah so now, I, now i'm gonna have to look into that because there's some stuff you know yeah. and and it uh so should, but but it, this kind of plays into the uh the, the big suey today with the metal arkers yeah the, the, totally the episode the deals we make yeah that's and what actually the, i was listening to that and i was like damn you, Mike, you're taking my, you know, like because I've had, I've had this segment idea and it, I call it the breaking point and I've had it written down in like uh, a bunch of different, you know, like subjects that we could go through in that. I've had that like going for like a okay. year. You know? Here's another one, another one, double stand or, or, or where I broke standards based on nostalgia as an Atlanta Braves fan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I first got into the Braves, the Tomahawk chop, the Tomahawk chop was not a thing. Native American iconography, yes, um, uh, but not not the tomahawk chop. Tomahawk chop that didn't come in until Deion Sanders brought it with him from Florida State. Um, oh, okay. And, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah, he went to Florida State. The chop was there, hmm. um, and then uh, he came to to Atlanta, and and that's kind of when it started. So it's not like this tradition that's eighty, a hundred years old. Not that that would make it that excusable, is, but that makes it interesting. Because yeah, people somewhat recent history, because people will will argue exactly proponents will argue well, this is part of our team's history, not ancient history though. Not really, you though. know. 
but the native american iconography sure yes that's been around for a long time but i was a kid i'm not going to know any better yeah and as a kid when you get excited about the team you love and they're all doing the chop you're going to do it too yeah. you know for the most part if your parents aren't conscientious conscientious enough to 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 think critically about it i yeah. think my parents were not hateful people my dad was like like that's one of the greatest things about my dad is like that guy taught us how to love. He didn't teach us anything about financial responsibility. He was bad with money. Yeah. We were poor. <laughs> we were really poor. But man, he. But you can have fried chicken. Take care of a house. Yeah. And but it, it wasn't easy. There were seven kids, you know. Um, yeah. So it was really overwhelming for him and my mom. You know, we we were not easy. Um, but um, it's not an excuse because there are plenty of people with large families who who keep it together. But it was too much for them too much for, for and 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 it's not like we were helpful because we were brat kids you know um but uh but man they taught us how to love people and and like i never once heard like a racial slur come from his mouth i'm not saying he didn't he grew up in north florida in segregate you know and and schools were not integrated yet yeah i know he grew up saying stuff that it, that he shouldn't have but as he got older he he, he was like this isn't what i want to be i'm sure and and i never once heard him I never once heard him. I, I've heard him defend and take up for other people, you know, and like that was really cool. But he it just no one was questioning. I'm not saying nobody, but the general public was not questioning the tomahawk chop. So he wasn't going to make me question it by any means. It was just this is something fun we do to cheer on our team. And that's the thing. We're cheering on our team. So this is a good thing. Right. You yeah. know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and that's that's the whole thing behind it. And without pausing to think are we making a cartoon out of another group of people? So growing up, I did that. I started, and, and when I was in my in my 20s, I was very much on the right-wing, like conservative talk radio was what I listened to. Oh, I mean, and, and I've never admitted this on the air, I don't think, um, but I, I have no problems admitting. I've, I've op opened up about it on Twitter, but I've never like talked openly about it. But like, no, I grew up dra traveling around with my dad, listening to Rush Limbaugh because um, he'd go he, he he worked at Radio Shack until I was 14 he managed the store until I was 14 and then he quit to start his own computer business uh, on-site computer sales and services and so during the summer sometimes I'd ride around with him to all his customers and um, he'd turn on Rush Limbaugh and like there were things you know things that I now see were hateful and hurtful you know I just saw it as him make, I didn't take him seriously and just like oh, he's just making jokes you know I don't feel that way he's just making you know, kind of off-color jokes, um, almost like a stand-up comedian would. But I didn't, I didn't understand, and my dad didn't either, because he just there was no reason for him to question. Not, nothing, no one ever challenged him, and he wasn't ever listening to a voice that was going to challenge him. So I got older. I listened to Russia every day. I paid for an insider membership. Same thing with Glenn Beck. Um, I I was a big-time Glenn Beck fan, because um, there were look that he had excellent producers, and they would do really funny imaging and kind of like Levitard show really like kind of irreverent you know like we're not going to be polished radio as much as we are we're going to be funny radio and like try to try to come and and like for where i was in my life at that time not questioning things and you know, like it, there was funny stuff or there was inner good entertainment value um i listened to michael medved out of seattle um a, the, a guy named david bows i'd call into his show all the time um met up with one of his producers one time at, at a movie that they were, that they were hosting, you know, and like, um, like, it, it, but then it just got to where I finally started questioning things as I got a little older. And I realized I was like, you know, like, so I, I go to church. I'm, I'm a Christian guy. 
um, and I go to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and the promise, the you know, the 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 the, the I, I I don't mince words when I'm talking about my belief, and I go to the scriptures. I believe in Jesus Christ, and He says, first commandment is to love God. Second one's likened to it: love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, now let's strip the religion or spiritual beliefs beyond that. Let's just take those two as principles. Those are damn good principles to live by. We'll just take the second one. Let's say, even for an atheist, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. You you can have a really good life and and be loved and love people if you make that your mantra. And so I decided to try. I was like, that's where I need to be. That's how I was raised. We might not have thought about things critically enough, but that's how I was raised. That was the essence of how I was raised. Yeah. And so like, I started realizing that the brand of what these guys I was listening to was talking about um, that were a big part of my childhood, because like I said, some, I spend hours on the road of my dad laughing at, at these shows. Rush even had a parody song guy, um, you know, a guy that would, that would make parody songs for him. And like that kind of, you know, planted some of the seeds of where I'm at with Levitard today, you know? And um but there, there were, you know, so there are a lot of memories there, but I had to break suit because I was like, and Glenn Beck goes to the same church I do. And I was like, but the things he's talking about, the attitude he's taking is not on brand with actually loving your neighbor. And I was like, and, and then I, and then I saw how they're, I mean, they're just as mainstream as the mainstream media they're trying to, you know, go against. And, and I was like, this is all just huckster stuff. They're just in this, they're going to incite people to anger so they can make money. And so I, I got away from it. And that's when I got into sports talk radio, eventually got into Levitard and he really opened up and, and, and got me thinking about things differently. Okay, so cool. I'm starting to think about things differently. I'm having this awakening. I am making sure that I'm ridding things out of my life of old attitudes, old phrases, old ways of thinking and trying to be mindful of the prejudices that I have so that I can challenge myself and make sure, you know, challenge it now so that when I'm presented with the opportunity, I don't hold that prejudice any further. Um, still, that will always be a work in progress. Like, like, uh, like, I, even before the right, you know, started making fun of woke mob and blah blah blah. I didn't like it when Pete when I'd have conversations and like some of the people remember you're so woke. I'm like, no. By the time if we think we're woke, we're still asleep because you have to be in a constant state of trying to be awake, of staying awake, and be mindful of those around you. And so, like. Um, here I am. And I feel like I've got, I've made some strides. I'm so much like I'd rid things out of my life and mindsets that I had. And, and it made, I was happier. And then I get to go to my first Atlanta Braves game in 2019, not that long ago. And what do I do? That dumbass chop. I did it. And I'm talking to my wife afterwards. And I was like, yeah, it's not a good thing. It's not a good look. And so the fact so that, like, that you noticed that it felt dirty though is, and you could acknowledge but that the nostalgia is, of cheering on this team. Like I, I got caught up in it, Yeah, but it got me to a break to a, to a good breaking point. So mm-hmm. I reached a breaking point where this is going on and, and, and like, okay, cool. And I'm, I don't have to do this. Oh, but okay. I'm, I'm way too excited. Hell yeah. Let's go. Whoa. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and I chopped right along 
and um and i i chanted i'm a super loud guy and and i got really amped up and pumped up because you know is it was at a baseball game and i I love baseball and i love the braves and uh so i reached that breaking point and went back and lowered my standards but thinking about that brought me to a new and it, it was within a week later brought me to a new breaking point where like i cannot give in on that standard anymore and so I've committed myself that this is nasty. It's rude. Most of the people doing it are not nasty and rude people, though. They just yeah. like my parents. They aren't questioning it. Yeah. And I think it's dangerous when we classify them all as nasty and rude and terrible people. A lot of them just have ne- have never been challenged enough to really question it. Yeah. And so it is a racist chant. Not everyone who does it is a practicing ra- racist. The act is racist. Mm-hmm. And and um, and because if, if if I go and call my parents racist because they did the chop with me, I'm not getting anywhere with them. No. But I can tell them that the act is, and here's why. Um, you know, and and try to try to put it in that way. Then maybe I can have a conversation. Well, and so, like, here's where I'm at with the team right now. Yeah, they just won the World Series. It was wonderful. Love oh, yeah. the fact that they did. I'm jealous. I would love to see them change <laughs> their name. I would. I would love, but first they got to get rid of that chop. I'm not uh, going to not support the team because of the chop right now, but if they don't get rid of Ozuna after the horrific crap that he did last year with his domestic abuse, yeah. if they don't cut him, which I don't think they can, I don't know if they can cut him right now because of the, where, where the league is at with their, but if, if they don't, then I will not follow the Braves at all. I will be solely Mariners right now. It's both, yeah. but I'll be solely Mariners until they get rid of, um, of him and I might even hang on to it to the chop. Now, is that going to hurt their profit? No. No. But I'll feel better about it. And that'll yes. be the new standard that I'll try to set. And I won't, I can't let the nostalgia, even if they go back and win another World Series, I can't let that take over. Yeah. And you can celebrate the team and you can celebrate the World Series and you don't have to partake in the chop. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, it, uh, and, and just maybe you being there and, and just being a presence of like, I am thinking, with it's the, you know, the on one a different person level. mindset if i can change the heart of one person yeah and make them think about hey maybe i shouldn't do this either yeah then i've done a pretty good job if yeah. nothing else pass it on to my kids i yeah. didn't pass the chop on to my kids yeah you know yeah if I can, and, if I and can that's get, that's, that's i mean that's where generational change happens is it does start with like my grandma did better with my dad than mm-hmm. her dad did with her as yeah. far as the way we treat other people, especially we'll just keep it with 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 blacks and whites mm-hmm. um, in the South. Um, but my grandma still had you know, was, was heavily prejudiced on things and um, to the point where she had dementia when President Obama got elected. And we, we had some fun with that. Like, did you know they elected a black man? And she's like, because we knew she'd forget it, you know, by the time the night was over and just to hear in was just like, yep. Yeah, she hadn't changed much. Um, but uh, but my dad. Like I said, he did better by me than his mom even did by him when it came to the way we work with other people. Um, like I said, my grandma was a wonderful person, but she was raised with the same old South prejudices that her dad was, but less so because he didn't pass as much on. It did fade a little um, because he taught her how to love people. She did that with her son and all her kids. And my dad did that with us. And so like, I pass that on. Now, if we can roll that into a whole bunch of families or a whole city doing that, okay, some, some real cool, substantial things could happen. 
but it's, it's tricky. It is tricky because all it takes is one person getting hurt and it can undo so much of that. Um, wow, yeah, we got, we got a little heavy there for a minute that, yeah, that's that this podcast will do that, you know, periodically, like I, you know, we'll just be like talking about some random stuff where like, I think we were talking about like poop in space and the, yeah, and what's the your schematic kind of fart. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> uh, you know, I declare, I told, I told Selena, you know, everyone, you know, you know, the butt trumpet, right. You got the, <laughs> you got the, you know, the ass horn, but then the, the little known is the glute flute, right? <laughs> so the glute flute would have to be my favorite of the, of the anal instruments. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, of all the anal wind section <laughs> of the band. <laughs> And we brought it back. All right. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but yes, that would be a really good example of where I've broken my standard because of yeah. nostalgia. Yeah. No, that's a that's a, a real much more that's filled. Deeper filled than eating McDonald's. I guess. Exactly. I was going to say it's much more <laughs> filled with a, a, a plethora of human emotion than my Big Mac was. But, <laughs> you win this time. That Big sir. Mac will produce a whole wealth of human emotion in your commode later. You know, but, well, ex- uh, a whole wealth. And of, it won't take long because it's McDonald's. Yeah, it'll just, just sit in my gut for about five days and <laughs> then dissipate slowly. Uh, um, do you have any questions for me or anything? Um, before I don't want to keep you here forever. Yeah, I do have to shut it down. Yeah, but you're on you're on the East Coast too, so. From judging from the rumble I hear from our speakers downstairs, my son is still watching the movie. They don't have school tomorrow, so they're fine. But I got to get up and go to work. Uh, but um i never sleep anyway um there's too much to do too much. i can sleep once i lay down i can sleep but there's too much to do there's fake commercials to write there's podcasts to edit there's new songs to try to work on yep, yep. um i'm doing this uh the, the these fake now that's what i call music series yeah yeah right and so i have now that's what i call codependency volume one which is the one that i'm working <laughs> on right now and it's just you know a bu- I think I was listening to like a Justin, you know, some Justin Bieber song came on or something like that. And he was like, I'll die if I'm not with you or something like that. And I was just like, what kind of emotional, like these people need to like learn how to like love themselves. You know what I mean? This is like, that's my whole thing with whole emo scene from the early two thousands was like, that's why it didn't resonate with me. Some of it did. Some of the music did, but like, except I'm a big death cab fan, but, um, but there's so much of it. That's like, really the, the lyrics are, heavily like riddled with with super violent images all because someone broke your heart or yeah didn't want to marry you or just it's like you just need to calm down dude. and i was like it just it doesn't resonate me there are plenty of people it did clearly because it was a massive movement yeah um but it it i don't know but then again but then again i will love hearing john lennon sing said i'm lonely <laughs> wanna die you know it's like i love that why did that resonate with me but the 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 emo stuff from the early 2000s so much of that didn't i don't know but um but there was so much there was so much like organic stolen emotion when john sang it you know what i mean whereas like the the you know the emo song it was like we need to make a breakup song, you know, and they're just like, you know, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the scary part was when uh, hip hop artists started to come out that had been that had grew up on that emo scene, and then they started to take 
the uh, hyper masculinity misogyny of hip hop and amplify it with that violent imagery of the yeah. emo scene. And that's when you got like, you know, Little Peep and Triple X Tenacion and I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I feel like such an old person when I say it. And like uh, Six Nine Takashi X, X, and X Tenacion. Yeah, exactly. Tenation? Tenation? What is he, French? I don't understand oh, man, what's I happening. I love Tenacious D, man. Tenacious D is great, man. Jack Black's my favorite. Um, I'll tell you, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's that uh subsect of hip hop that came out in the last couple of years is a little terrifying. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. I just it, like there, there's some people it speaks to and it, but just never never got with me. I can't I can't understand it. Um, yep. yep. But yep. Uh, but, but yeah, probably another double standard there. No, I don't I don't think I have. Um, here's where I'll, I'll take over and I'll I'll railroad you as the host. Tell your folks where tell your folks where they can find you. Oh yes, so. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for tuning into uh, Ruining Your Childhood, The Pitfalls of Nostalgia. Here with my... Listening to me ramble for the last hour and a half has probably just ruined your whole adulthood, too. <laughs> Screw it all. It's ruined okay. mine, Colin. Uh, it's, I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. Okay. Uh, 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 young Sasquatch. Uh, that'll be your app name. Um the, the, the yeah. Yeti Blanc thing was originally like just a joke rap name. Like, like I was like, that would be my rap name if I ever, if I ever were to do that. And then I was like, why not just keep it for any kind of music? It doesn't have to be rap. Let's go. So uh, SoundCloud sees the name and automatically the algorithm automatically plays rap for me without me selecting instant. anything. Instantly. And, and the, the first thing I upload, first thing I ever uploaded to SoundCloud real quick was um a parody of, it was the first parody song I ever actually recorded and it was uh of islands in the stream i made social distancing um it was right it was the weekend kenny rogers died and just so that song was in my head and and i was i was up on my ladder doing some uh doing something to the house maybe changing a light bulb outside or something like that and i just said you know social distancing that is where we because it was right at the beginning of the of the lockdown and i was like okay cool so i uploaded that and then everything's because my name was yeti blunk soundcloud proceeded to still just like nothing but rap all the songs that would play after that and the nothing but rap and i was like you're like i'm friend algorithm is a little um uh, assumptive there um soundcloud but yeah so i decided to keep it the whole time yeti blanc it was it was basically kind of a play on the blue microphone the blue yetis yep i saw and maybe it wasn't a yeti but i saw a white blue microphone and and, yep. and i just i was like that's more like a yeti blanc it was a like, yeti blanc I think I'll steal that name. I like, I like uh, today's or yesterday's cinephobe episode, the five heartbeats. Um, they do the thing where, you know, like there's a twist in the movie and they say film noir. I don't know if you've listened to it uh, too many yeah. other episodes, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, but may said film Blanc uh, in this, in this <laughs> last episode where I can't, I think it was what it was, was it's the five heartbeats. And then, you know, it's like all about the gentrification and the white people coming in. Oh, so film, uh, like, film Blanc. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, it was film Blanc because, the five it was the five heartbeats were the were the you know five black singers and then the five five horsemen were the five white singers that were supposed to replace the five ah, black singers gotcha. and uh you know because they were they were, you know more marketable and stuff like that and then towards the end they they end up all moving all the five white dudes all move to Harlem marry black women and all have flat tops like blonde flat tops 
Yeah. And I was just like, by the end of it, I, I think that's when Maze was like, film block. Film yeah, block. That's a good joke. And I'd like to think that <laughs> that's um that he is uh you know, referencing that, but that my that I subconsciously influenced him because it was just last week I, I'd reached out to him for the first time to light him up about their takes on the next to last episode of The Mandalorian. I mean of, of Boba Fett. Boba Fett. And uh because I hated it. And oh. uh, and but just out of nowhere, poor Anthony Mays. Poor Anthony Mays, because just out of nowhere, I just started like, hey, you didn't ask for any of this, but here, <laughs> like, I've got some major problems. And uh, I think I said something along the lines of this episode, watching the Luke Skywalker of this episode made me wish that, made the five-year-old me wish that Cobra Kai had won. And oh my God. totally non, not related at all. But, you know, not but, related but, at all. But, but if, if what it was is that Luke in that episode really fit the aesthetic of Daniel LaRusso at, when I watched him as an adult, when I watched Karate Kid back as an adult, that's, you know, as a kid, it was like, no way. Cobra Kai's the bad guy. It was very black and white. Cobra Kai's the bad guy. Miyagi-Do's the good guys. And there can be no in between. As I got older and I watched it, I was like, he was kind of this little weenie that was kind of asking, I mean, like no one should ever be bullied, but like he was poking the bear. He was slapping beehives. He was. And, uh, and, and so like, and, and, and that's what, like Luke in that episode of Boba Fett, such a freaking weenie man. Like, Oh, Oh, you know, this and that. And you know, my father, blah, blah, blah. Or whatever. What oh, I can, Oh, Grogu, silly Grogu. I'm like, this is, destroying me bad, they could have done man. so much better and like so yeah, poor anthony mays my first interaction and really only interaction with him so far was me just like you didn't ask for this here's what's going on and poor guy he responded back but i think i lost him <laughs> he's, he's a super nice dude I've, I've talked to him periodically just like about his uh his his podcast editing chops and stuff like that and just He's various good. things. I actually asked him one point. Uh, I think he was the first person I asked. I was like, "Hey, would you be down to to come on to this podcast and 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 do a guest spot?" I told him the name of it, and he was like, "Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that that would be good for me because because he didn't say it, but I I had to remember that Amin and Zach, you know, refer to him as a pedophile on a constant basis. My podcast is called oh, ruining, ruining Your Childhood, childhood. <laughs> and they would not let him That's live right. that down. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, okay, I painted myself in a box here. And that's actually a really good way for him to be like, not, not say no, but also be like, there's no way I could do that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Ruin your, Ruining Your Childhood, the pitfalls of nostalgia with Colin and today. Yeti Why am I doing this? I don't know, but I appreciate so it. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, so we can find you, uh, on the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody, you can find that anywhere where you find podcasts. Absolutely. Uh, Subscribe, rate, and review. I've really enjoyed reading the reviews because some of them are funny when people take them seriously and like try to yell at us. Some of those are really funny. Um, and so I enjoy reading the reviews for those. Yes. First and foremost, find me on the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody. Out, yes. New episodes out every Monday. Our hundredth episode will be um, this Monday, the 21st. Beautiful. Um, and it will also c cover a little bit of, at least a little bit. We don't know how much of the PFPI gala. Oh, ho, 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 ho. no right, one right. that, that listens to this will know what that is, but they should know. <laughs> and so, yeah, once again, I want to thank you for showing up uh, and, and, you know, saying yes and conversing with me. Uh, yes, I want to thank you. It's, it's been good meeting you, Colin. Thank you for your time.
Yeah, of course. And I want to thank the Cody's for employing you and thus introducing me to your voice. I thank them daily. I really do. Really yes. Do. It's the most fun. Awesome. It.